messieurs. You may be wondering why I have gathered you here in the buffet car of this train. Not really, love. Cup of tea? No, thank you. I wasn't talking to you. Oh, muffin? No, merci. What about a tea cake, then? No! Your food is an offence to my palate. Hmm. A Twix, then? Be quiet, please. I am trying to deduce the identity of a most innocent criminal. One who may stop at nothing to silence... How about a quick roll, then? No, madame. Good. Because I can't find my butter knife. Cease your infernal chatter, you crazy locomotive domestic. Now, where was I? You put me right off my flow. Ah, yes. You are probably wondering why I gather you here. All 127 of you. Can you hear me in the vestibule? Yes. Yes. I must admit, your English trains are a little more crowded than I am used to. Although the guard has assured me that this is due to the cancellation of a late running train in front. Nevertheless, despite this heavy workload, I, the great Poirot, have utilized the little grey cells and identified the killer. <gasps> Yes, that is correct, mes amis. I, the great Poirot, have used all the guile and skill at my disposal to get to the art of this sordid affair. But first, I will talk you through the events as they unfolded, so that you may see for yourself that they are terribly, irrevocably, undisputably true. Now, the journey began in the city of Newcastle-upon-Tyne, where I joined the train. Oh, this parrot fellow goes on a bit, doesn't he? He's not wrong there. What I don't understand is, if he knows who the murderer is, why is he banging on about it? Surely he should just say and it will be done with. Don't know, but he obviously likes the sound of his own voice. True that. Why has he called us in here? The murder happened after the train left Sheffield. We didn't get on until Derby. Why do we need to be involved? He told me that no stones should be left unturned, and that our getting on at Derby is no reason to think we're innocent. Hey? He said it might be a clever ruse, Throw suspicion away from us, not somebody else. He's a loony, isn't he? Um, no, he's Belgian. He hasn't even got a parrot. So my little graces told me this was foul play. A deduction I confirmed when I saw the knife in his back. Wow, he's a genius. And also, my reading of the note left on the body that said, I'm glad I killed him, I hated him. This led me to believe that this was no mere accident, as your British transport police surmised, but cold-blooded murder. You know, it's funny. You'd think that if there'd been a murder on a train, they'd stop at the next station and not let it go on. Well, if they did that, there'd be more than one murder. Some of the people on this train have been waiting a week. Really? Yeah. You can't just stroll up and catch a train anymore. We've got super mega off-peak saver advance tickets. Gosh, when did you book those? 2015. Quarter past eight last night? No, 2015. Three years ago. You've got to think way in advance to get a good price these days. Anyway, to be honest, I thought if anyone was going to be murdered, it'd be you. What? Why? Why would anybody want to murder little old me? You're rude to people. I'm brutally honest. It's one of my finest qualities. You're always shouting. I am not! And you're really angry. Angry? You've not seen me when I'm angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I don't like you whether you're angry or not. Gee, thanks, man. Are you really my best friend? Sure am. Lord help me. Just remind me, why did we get on this train in the first place? Right, so you know we won a ton of cash when you failed to lose that boxing match. Failed to lose? Yeah, remember? The boxing match? 
after we lost at football for Big Jim after the cruise. Yeah, 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 I remember. Why are you saying it like that? I thought you might still have a concussion. No, I've got a Nissan. Right. Anyway, with the money we won, I bought the pub at the Revelation Station. But to sign the deeds, we sadly need to visit the solicitor's office in London. What do we need to do? It's sadly. Oh, oh, right, sorry. With you now. Oh no, Parrot's coming back over. I don't think I can stand to listen to him droning on anymore. Oh, oh, do you want to listen to me droning on instead? About Genesis? Not really. But anything's preferable to listen to that. Where were we? And then, mes amis, there were three. No, we've done that one. Okay, so if it's not, and then there were three, which one are we on? Well, we're on Duke, the tenth album. Wow, tenth studio album? Tenth album in eleven years. That is not bad going. This album was recorded in yeah. November 1979. Released in 1980? And released on March the 28th, 1980. Yeah, as I recall, this album was uh, recorded after a certain amount of slack time. They'd all yes. pretty much disbanded to do various things. Phil had gone to Vancouver to try and save his mm -hmm. marriage. Yeah, that's right. Uh, unsuccessful as it turned out. Mm -hmm. The rest of the boys all gone off and trying to do their own solo stuff yep. and their own bits and pieces. Yep, that's right. And thought, we'll sit down, do an album, and they all bought their own individual stuff. This, this is one of the few times mm -hmm. where they haven't actually written stuff together. Well, it's half and half. So, the situation was, 1978, and then there were three tour. Phil's wife said to him, if you go on this tour, I won't be waiting for you when you get back. My wife said the same thing about the pub. <laughs> yeah, if you go to the pub, I won't be waiting for you when you get back. You never wait for me, to be fair. No, that's true. But because Phil was a workaholic and because he felt an obligation, he went on the tour. Much like my obligation to get to the pub. Well, no, I was going to say to do this <laughs> damn podcast with you. Because exactly. you keep turning up every so often and say, I get there and do a podcast. Yeah, that's and right. I have to sit down and talk drivel with you. We're in a pub now because of this podcast. Don't yeah, that's the only good thing. At least I get to drink while we're doing this. <laughs> it, well, yeah. That's true. I can't believe I'm frightened in a pub. It's like my life's dream. I only hope it doesn't somehow, I don't know, burn down in a terrible fire. Or I don't sort of get taken to hospital with some horrible liver failure. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> anyway, Phil's wife left him, moved to Vancouver. Phil basically said at that point to the band, look, I need to move to Vancouver to make this marriage work. If the band needs to split up, then the band needs to split up. But the band basically said, no, you go to Vancouver, take some time off for you to do that. We'll try and make it work with you in Vancouver if that's what it takes, but we don't need to split the pack up. The way we work these days, we don't need to do that. So Phil went off to Vancouver. Tony and Mike went to Holder Studios in Stockholm, which is where they decided they were going to record their first solo albums, which was Mike Rutherford's Small Creeps Day and Tony Banks' Curious Feeling. So, let me get this right. Phil went to Vancouver to save his marriage. Mm -hmm. And the other two went on a European booze cruise. Pretty much, recorded yeah. a couple of albums. Uh, in the meantime, Phil's marriage didn't work, so he came back. He had a couple of months spare before the band were due to get back together and start recording their next album. So that was when he did the demos for his first solo album, Face Value, obviously famously yeah. in the air tonight. Well, funny you should say that because he actually worked like a demon. Mm. He was writing like a man possessed. Yeah. Um, and as you just mentioned in the air tonight, that was originally considered as one of the tracks to go on this album. Well, Tony claims that Phil never played it to him, but Phil says that he played him 
everything that he'd written up to that point, which would have included in the end tonight. Yeah. So by that same token, Tony admits that he's glad that Genesis didn't do it in the end tonight because in Tony's own words, he said they would have ruined it. <laughs> they would have because they would have had to have remixed and, and reorchestrated mm -hmm. quite a lot to work as a Genesis yeah. track. And that bit, drum and whatever the instrument is, they start off with like, a baggy stick thing. A drum. No, <laughs> it's some sort of type thing. You know what I'm saying. All right, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> um, wouldn't have worked as a Genesis track mm. at this point. No, I mean, they would have had to significantly change it. I imagine that the track Mama is their attempt to do a version of In the Air Tonight, effectively, because mm. I think it would have come out a bit more like that. Not a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing, but we'll come to that when we, when we get to that album. When we get to that album. So, Phil, like you say, was writing like a demon, so he had loads of songs. Loads of songs, and this album contains two of the songs that he originally wrote in those months of spare, which was Misunderstanding, and Please Don't Ask, and they were the two that were selected by the band to go on this album. But the band wrote half the tracks together, and half the tracks were individual, so they had two each, and then they had the rest of the tracks were written together. The tracks that were written together were the Albert tracks, and the original idea was to have those all on one side, yeah, all as one track. That was going to be Behind the Lines, Duchess, Guide Vocal, Turn It On, Duke's Travels and Duke's End. Yeah. They didn't do that because they didn't want to have another Suffers Ready. Yeah, so... Indeed, who does? <laughs> Lots of Genesis fans. Yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> um, however, recently, just for uh, an experiment, mm. I did actually put those together and mm. sort of faded them in and out. Yeah. Alright, they would have needed a bit of mixing and mm. a bit more instrumental bits to fill. Yeah. But it actually works really good mm. as one long track. Yeah. When you listen to this album, the first thing that strikes you is why aren't these tracks together? Because mm. it's quite clear, with the exception of in the uh, Turn It On Again, yeah. that they belong as one long track. Mm. When I remember listening to this as a, as a, as a wee teenager, mm. um, it always struck me as weird that this was a concept album with things thrown in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It just feel, felt really weird. And yeah. when you put them together, it actually works really well. Yeah, I mean, I sort of disagree a little bit with what you're saying there. Damn it, you always disagree with me! <laughs> that it doesn't work with the, some of the, the songs in the middle. Some of the songs I agree with you, I think. Like, things like Please Don't Ask and even Misunderstanding dropped in the middle of where they are don't really work. But then, I mean, Man of Our Times coming straight after Guidebook, well, I think that works really well and that could have easily fitted in. Yeah, that's true. Thing. Yeah. So some of them do and some of them don't. So I get your point and I, I agree partially. So you're saying I'm point. not completely wrong? <laughs> you're not completely wrong this time. That, that's as close as you've ever got to agree. <laughs> yeah, so on the tour, they played those tracks all together. They didn't fade them in and out right. into one track. But they, they just did, played the whole, they played the, what is known as the the, the story of Albert. So Phil would say, this is the story of Albert, and then they play all those tracks in a block. Which would be great. Because mm. I see when they were doing them live, they didn't just go from one track to the next. They did actually glide in and out with instrumental bits. So. No, they generally tend to not completely stop, mm. but they did do and an end each track and then start the next track. Okay. So, but it worked, it does work really well, I think. It strikes me as this could have been a classic. I don't know. I think they did the right thing splitting them up. This is Genesis. They like to do things differently. The cover this time was by a French illustrator, Lionel... Lionel Cuchlin. Cuchlin. Who is a very, Cuchlin. very famous uh, French sort of... Well, 
children's illustrator yeah, almost. Yeah, but it, they're very um, surrealist, his, his, his drawings. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have really made it across the pond. I've tried doing some um, research on it, yeah. and everything is done in French. None yeah. of it seems to have been translated. Well, I noticed that if you click on Lionel Hucklin, the link to him, mm. on, on Wikipedia entry for Duke, on the uh, album cover section, yeah. what it does is it takes you back to the Duke Genesis um, album page. Unhelpful. So the link on the thing links you back to the thing you're already on. So there is no link on there for him. What, what did you think of the cover? Because it was, it was kind of interesting cover. I actually really like this cover. It's one of my favourite covers. I think it's mm. very iconic. Yeah. Especially you know, the front and back. Mm. So the back's like a cutout on the front. Yeah. I like that idea. I mean, I mean it's, it's a wonderful, almost raw doll mm. in, its, in its approach yeah. to the, the picture itself. Yeah. And I, I really like that. It reminded me of, of something. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I just thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. I just thought I'd share that with you. I'm going to go on a limb here. Please do. Um, I'm going to say this is probably my second favourite Genesis album cover <gasps> after Wind and Wuthering. Wow. Yeah, wow. I, I really like this album. I must admit, I, I, I found this one a really interesting colour. Mm. Um, not only because it's nice bright colours. Mm -hmm. You, you know, like bright colours, yeah. And shiny things. Yeah. Um, but because it, it is a nice, iconic, doesn't look like anything else mm -hmm. piece of artwork for, a, for a, an album. Yeah. Um, and I thought it, it just stood out from, from the shelf. Yeah. Yes. So, talking about buying records, you buying records, I believe in a podcast before you said that this was your first Genesis album. This was my first Genesis wow. album. This is a, a friend of mine uh, sat me down, tied me down, uh, <laughs> made me listen to this. Not not me, listeners, by the way. I didn't no, know no, Gary the, then. This was another friend. I had another friend at one point. Yeah. And, uh, Did you kill him? Uh, Basically, he, he sat me down and says, "You like this? This is this is your sort of stuff." Mm. And I said, "No, it's not." <laughs> and uh, yeah, we tumbled uh, and played it absolutely to death. Yes. Then I started buying more Genesis albums. Yeah. But as I've mentioned before, I never really went back to the Peter Gabriel stuff. Mm. It's only during this podcast where I've really listened to the Peter Gabriel mm. stuff. And the one thing that surprised me, don't know if it's because I'm standing there. Well, there's certainly more of you to love. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I find myself really enjoying the earlier albums. When we were doing the very first album, yeah. which is which is a, a weird album considering where they go later. Definitely. I loved the first album. Yeah, I great. thought that was a really good album. I, I know that's divisive because a lot of Genesis fans do not like that one album. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a perfectly fine album. Yeah, I agree. Um, so good. I do find myself now, mm -hmm. when I'm walking down the street, um, Player, yes. playing things that means I can't hear the cost of gearing and moving around with um, I find myself going back to the earlier albums. Mm. Yeah. So, thank you for that. That's real. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope lots of people are feeling the same and are getting a new appreciation of the earlier albums that maybe, or all the albums that may be uh, dismissed. It's just changing people's lives. We're changing people's lives, one Genesis album at a time. Oh, God, my therapist. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, so this was your first uh, Genesis album? Big, big That's really time into Genesis. Interesting. Yeah. Say, I really played this album today. Mm. I loved everything about this. I found yeah. the music uh, on some of the tracks really. Yeah. Not all of the tracks, because some of them I still don't like too much. Mm. We'll get into that later. Yeah. But some of the tracks are just so rousing. Mm. Especially the Duke ones. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I love the sound. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was big band 
Sam, at a time when we're getting, when we're getting a lot of punk and yeah. uh, minimalist yeah. music in the charts. Yeah. So I got you. This, I know what you mean. This was really loud and in your face yeah. and a big sound. I mean, so I loved it. You think about right. So it's 1980, and the Genesis released Duke. The other major prop release that year, I would say. I mean, somebody's gonna shout to shout oh, Stardust. He's not prog. Oh, right. Uh, maybe he was considered to replace Peter when <laughs> when he left. But, uh, um, but the, yeah, the other major release is uh, Drama by Yes. It was released in 1980. Another great album. Another great album. And, uh, but, this was a good year for program. But again, Drama is a lot heavier and a lot. Um, I think there's something in the water. It's a different sound. It from is. The Yes album. You're quite right. It, it's another standalone album. Yeah, it's a lot more immediate. Do you think there was something in the, in the water that year? Well, maybe. Um, I mean, Genesis really with this album are going back a little bit because they've they've had their experiment of doing the shorter songs, getting more ideas on the album with, and yeah. then there were three. And this, and this has got some longer songs again. and more interconnected. Yeah, getting, yeah. I mean, let's face it, this was supposed to have a half hour long track in it. Yeah, um, exactly. They only cut it down because they didn't want to do that. Yeah, but that is, you're quite right. They were almost going back on it. Mm -hmm. But you know, once they cut it down and spliced it with little bits and pieces. Um, it's definitely moving on again once you've got that half hour track. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of half and half. It's half Wind and Wuthering, it's half of, and then there were three. But it's all prog! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so it's produced again by David Henschel. Right. Co produced, sorry, by David Henschel. Again, released on Charisma. Yeah, that's right. Did they um, have any input onto which one they chose as singles? I don't believe so. Because I can kind of understand some of the ones they chose mm. as singles. Turn it on again. Turn it on again, yeah. That's got a single written all over it. Yeah. Duchess? I know, that's a bit of an odd choice, isn't it? I cannot imagine how they would rearrange that for a single. Yeah. No, well. Because it starts off very slowly. I have that. I have that single. I have really? a 70 single, yeah. Basically, the, the sort of the. That's that intro, that's in. all. Really? There's, there's probably a couple of bars of that, and then it just goes into the tans. Is that a song that makes no sense? Unless you've heard, do you start? No. Or behind the line, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, weird choice. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the last single. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Which is a good choice for a single. Yeah, not on my favourite. Yeah. Well, we'll get around to that. But that was the last time that David Henschel worked with Genesis. That's yeah. the last time I worked with you yeah. boys! So they wanted to get a different sound. The next few albums, so they've some produced them, I believe. I'm onto that anyway. Wow. Into the next few albums. So, how many has David actually done with them? Now? So, he's done uh, Trick of the Tail, Window of the Rain, and then there were three, and Duke. Wow, so it's and he also, he's also worked as a sound engineer on some of the realm. I believe Foxtrot was the first album that he worked with them on. Really? Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm. So, yeah, like I say, they, they improvised a lot of this. All the Albert tracks were done in the studio, they improvised all that, wrote it all together. So they're starting that process now yeah. of writing songs without bringing ideas in. I know we said right at the beginning that they've all bought different strengths. Yes. The Albert songs, were they a collaboration? They, wrote, all they of wrote them all between so them. So no one person brought any of these tracks in, these were all done by the three when they started recording. Yeah. Yeah. I know Turn It On was originally just going to be a musical little intro. Yeah, it was only going to be half. But they, they kept playing it so much and thought, you know, we like this track, let's yeah. just turn it into a whole track. Yes. Yeah. Which, which is fine because it works for So the tour began on the 13th of March 1980 in Payton. That was literally just after the album came out. It was just before, it came out on the 28th. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um, Can you just re edit that so I sound less stupid? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of editing, isn't it? 
it is, yeah. So they they toured quite extensively in the UK this time around. If you remember the end, then there were three tours. One. They did one date. Yeah. Um, this one was all over the UK. They got it covered pretty much. And there's an absolute ton of decent bootlegs of this tour. Um, they did several shows that were recorded by radio. Yeah. Um, and then they recorded a couple for cinema release as well. Uh, well, they recorded one for cinema release as well. Um, so there's a lot of decent records at this tour available. You said there's one recorded for cinema. Mm. So was this actually used on DVD? There, I don't know. To be honest, it's, it, you can find it on the on the YouTube's. Right. Um, I believe what it's. Do kids I, I believe it's the Lyceum in 1980. Is, is what it is. Lyceum well, is lovely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they released it, but the same as they released the 1976 tour yeah. film. That's never released on DVD. No, the, the Shepperton Studios 1973 Peter, that was never released on DVD. So, this stuff, the prime, prime you, stuff. You, you think this stuff already exists, yeah. they can't take that much to release it on DVD. No, you think not, but it's not. Alright, maybe it's not a high definition sound like you'd expect. But it's easy to remaster, though. it's been filmed yeah. with cinema cameras. So. I assume recorded separately. I mean, the YouTube versions are pretty good quality, so I don't see any reason why you can't. They also went uh, into North America in May um, and they ended the tour on 30th June in Saratoga Springs, New York. So quite a, an extensive tour there for the first half of the year. Because yeah. I mean, the last album really broke for them. Mm, yeah. Um, so maybe they felt this time out because they kind of broke the stakes a little bit. They didn't need to so heavily tour. Yeah. Because um, the last tour was probably. Well, it was almost entirely American. American. Yeah, and the album, as we said last time, you know, really geared towards yeah. American. Yeah. Whereas this one, themes <coughs> on this one, it sounds more British. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this one is getting back to the way they were. I think this is quite European in style. There's a lot of those sort of poppier songs that European bands like. Thematically, musically, I think it sounds quite European influenced. Okay. So I think they're kind of, you know, it's not, not in the same way that, and then there were three, it's an American album, and Selling England's a, a British album. I think it's just got a little bit more of a loose feel to it. I mean, Phil had been working in his spare time divorce, or after his divorce when he came back to England, he'd been working with Peter on Peter's third solo album, which also came out in 1980, um, which is where you get that famous gated drum pattern from. Really? Uh, Phil came up with that in the studio for Intruder, because uh, Peter didn't want him to play cymbals, right. but Phil being a drummer would automatically go towards the cymbals when he was drumming, so Peter just put the drum there instead. <laughs> so Phil Playing would, with his mind. Phil would hit that instead of hitting the cymbal and that's where you, you've got this famous drum sound. Peter kind of tweaked it, they didn't gated, which means they put the gates open on the drums. Don't ask me what that means. I was gonna say I was just about to say what on earth does that mean? Because I don't know. But that's what that's what it's called. It's called that's a gate a gated drum sound. Okay. Now, I've watched interviews with it and they say yeah we open the gates of the drums and that gives that sound. I don't know what that means still. I've seen many people saying it. Demonstrated it. Me. I'm going to say it more in conversation. Yeah. Oh, do you like the gate to drum sound of uh, Phil Collins' early 80 work? 
well, I'm just going to sit here and keep my drums. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds good. It does. Yeah. Music more. Um, so, yeah, so perhaps Phil had got a bit more of a world music influence there as well, because he'd been working with Peter quite a bit on Pete Gabriel 3. Whatever, it seems to work. Yeah. This, this album sounds really good. Yeah, it does. Um, I think this is possibly one of Phil's best drumming performances on this album. Yeah, I mean, just the whole album, not, not just, just individual the, tracks. It's not just the drumming. Mm. The music on this album is really clear. I yes. know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but it, it just sounds so pristine, mm. the sound on this album. Mm. It's, it's not just the modern, the remix, because I'm, I'm listening to the, is it 2009 remix? Yeah. Um, is it 2009? Something like that, yeah, 2007. Well, the remix, anyway. Yeah. Um, which usually just means the clear sound. Yeah. But it really does sound crystal. Mm. Um, it's a really good sound to this yeah. album. And I seem to recall when I was this, this teenager again, um, the sound was the first thing that drew me to this mm. album because yeah. it was so crystal clear that you could hear every instrument. Going yeah. It was, yeah, it was an interesting sound. It is like um, a wall of sound as well. There's so especially much going on, on. Yeah, especially on um, the Duke tracks. The Duke tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. As you say, right from the gate, mm. as it were, you get this wall of sound coming towards yes, you. Exactly. Big orchestral start. Yeah. It's not orchestral. Yeah. This big musical start. Yes. Yeah. I know what you mean. Really drives and really gets you into this album before you even know what the album is. Mm -hmm. It's a great start. It is. Speaking of which, yes. Shall we go into the first Let's track? go into Behind the Lines. Let's. So good. As we were saying, uh, just while it was playing, yeah. I could listen to this on a loop and listen to the end of the day. Absolutely. What a brilliant track. Belter of the Not track. just a brilliant track. What a brilliant way to open an album. Yeah. Again, the Genesis do tend to start their with a big they number. Do. And this is as big as they get. Yeah. This is a great track. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. So good. I mean, it, it's just full on. It's relentless. And then 
let's calm down a little bit and get back into it and then build up a little bit more. Yeah, when it calms down, it feels really funky. Yeah, exactly. This is a great start. Yep, yeah, so good. And um, have you heard the version that is on Phil Collins' Face Value? Album? No. Right, completely different. It's clearly the same song, but that jazz funky bit that you like, he's kind of turned that into a bit of a sort of Motown pop song. Works really well. Too much for that. It does. Well, Face Value is a great album anyway. We should listen to that at some point because it's worth listening to. Yeah, at some point. You sure we're friends? Friends wouldn't do that, friends. You've never heard Face Value. Do you understand? Yeah. I was semi-drunk mm. on a sunbed yeah. playing that album, Bored Shits. That's not a great place to listen to. Face Value. It's a very dark, wintry. It is. Maudlin album. It is. Brilliant. I was getting depressed <laughs> in Greece on a sunbed full of beer. Uh, it's a good album. Anyway, but anyway, yeah. his, his, his version of um, Behind the Lines, it's interesting that he took it in a completely different direction. Um, none of the instrumental passage bits, but more of the, the funky, dancey bit. Yeah. Um, and I really like that, but I, like, I love this version as well. I actually heard the Phil Collins version before I heard this version. Really? Yeah. Um, Duke was one of the last Phil albums that I heard. I wasn't listening to them in any sort of order, I was just picking them up randomly as and when I could find them in uh, second-hand record stores. Um, so I didn't go out and systematically buy each one in order. I literally was at a record store, I got five in my pocket, there's a second-hand Genesis album, I'll buy that and go over and listen to it. So I wasn't buying them in any order, so this was one of the last ones. Um, and I'd heard Face Value before this, so there you go. Wish I'd listened to it earlier because it's a great album. It is a great album. No spoilers, but no. no. But, but this, this opening track, oh yes. You're on, you're on cloud nine when you listen to this. It's a great track. Definitely. I don't think it gets any better than this for for opening tracks. I think they, 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 they do lots of really great opening tracks after this. This is the best one. They, they did several before. They did several before. But this one just just punches you in your face and then. Stump, to the ground. Stumps on your head. Yeah, and, and then just leaves you in the ambulance yeah. humming the tune. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, Phil has never drummed better than this, I don't think. He's just powerhouse mm. on this, really Definitely. proving how yeah. good he is. You know, the rumours that he was trying to be stolen by Yes during the early 70s and that he wanted to join The Who after Keith Moon died. See, I couldn't but, see Phil Collins and Yes because yeah. his drumming style is so frenetic, yeah. which is everything that Yes is. Yeah, yes, so carefully considered. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. see, I can't see him playing with Yes no. for that reason. That reason. No, definitely not. Apparently rumours are that uh, Queen tried to steal Phil. <laughs> Um, before, before the Queen, the Queen, not the Queen, ah. the band Queen. Ah. Um, before they found Roger Taylor, they apparently tried to to get Phil to join them. Wow! Before they were famous, and Phil was like, "Who are you? I'm famous." <laughs> oh, in <you> band, mate. <laughs> do, you do, do you do funny Cockney accents in your songs? <laughs> I don't think so. Not listen to which Queen then. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> they do funny posh accents. Do they really? Yeah. Well, Freddie we should, do a, we should do a Queen podcast. No. Okay. I mean, Mike's properly come into his own on the guitar at this point. Definitely. On this track, he just delivers. Belter. And the person who's not really taking centre stage so much on this track is Tony, interestingly enough. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's... I think the keyboards he, are really strong. He's, he's providing some really good keyboards to it, but 
what I take away from yeah. this track is drums and guitar. They're the things that really stand out to me. Now that is odd because I took the keyboard. Did you? Yeah. Ah. Well, funny enough, this was. Well, if I've taken the drums and the guitar and you've taken the keyboards, what are they playing? I don't know. Ah. Funny enough, it was this album and this one track yeah. that, took, that made me have pianos. Really? Yeah, I actually wanted to play the piano. Badly. Yeah. And I did. You badly wanted to learn to play the piano. And I played it badly. badly. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting. So, yes. But I did actually, from this, want to learn to play the piano. Hmm. That's interesting. But despite that, I, I think they, they really gelled together on this track. Yeah. They really, they're all in sync. They're playing I, it. I would love to have heard this live. Mm. Yes. Because it's such a phenomenal track. Mm. To actually hear it in an auditorium must yeah. have been absolutely killer. Well, they opened the 2007 reunion tour with the the instrumental start of this. They didn't do the whole song. Then again, uh, you know, it's like, it's like Never Meet Your Heroes. Mm. This is such a favourite track of mine. Yeah. If they murdered it on stage, mm. I would be gutted. They didn't. There's a couple of out of, uh, versions that have been released live. There's a live version on the Three Sides Live, which will be coming too soon. And there's a live version on the Archive box set. There was, wasn't there? Um, and, but like I say, there's tons of bootlegs of this. That's such a great track. I just love this track. This is on, um, like I said, they played this on the 2007 tour as the opener, so it's on the album, the live album of that as well. So, yeah. but it's a great. Oh, can you imagine going in and seeing them starting with this track, and they'd be like, oh yes, this is starting the album, starting the concert with this. But on this tour, you wouldn't, because on this tour they started with Deep in the Motherland. Did they? Yes. Oh. Because remember they have the tradition. Yeah, they always have open the track off the last album. Yeah. So, um, I believe they opened the uh, Abercab tour. But yeah, what great track. I can't say anything else about it. It's no, just brilliant. There is nothing it's to an say. amazing track. Listen to this album, listen to this track, love this track. Yeah. If you don't love this track, there's something seriously. If you're not a Genesis fan. Even if you're not a Genesis fan, this no, is no, a I mean, if, great track. If you listen to this track you don't like it, you're not a Genesis fan. In my in my eyes. No, you you're dead to me. I took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Dead to me if yeah. you don't like this track. So listeners. <laughs> if you don't like this track, you're, you're dead, like, to, dead us. to us. You're dead to us. Yeah. <laughs> and that leads on like the song beautifully to about the music industry. So so you keep saying. It was. I still am not <laughs> buying it. Um, I know this is about, I, I will get on to what I think these tracks are about yeah. a bit. I know that it's not, again, not what they're supposed to be about. <laughs> yes. I have a different imagination. My imagination goes reality. wild. <laughs> I do. 
a lot of people have said this. <laughs> I quite clearly live in a different world. Um, but I love this track. Yeah. Can I imagine it as a single? No. No, you said you bought it. I have the seven-inch single of this. Yeah. Um, it's it's only about half the length, and it edits out the whole. Um, well, most of the drum machine bit at the start. But that um, is quite a big bit. And of most track. of the end. Yeah. I mean, it's an odd choice for a single. I think. Very odd choice. You say that, but when I listen to this in the car, I sing my little lungs out. Yeah, it's not. I don't dislike the song in any way. No, I really like it. But it is just a. It just seems a bit strange. Sat on its own. Mm. It would be very odd. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know if the band chose this or if I think the band wanted to release this as a single, actually. Why? Um, I don't know. They must just like it. Well, it, yeah, it, it is it, a, good it's a good song. Yeah, it is a good song. But as a single? But I don't, I'm not sure it makes works as a single. No. But. Um, so, I mean, yeah, so it's about the music industry, obviously. And so is it them kind of being a bit worried about their own future? You know, they've gone through the times that are described in, in the song of nobody caring, and then everybody caring. And I'm worried that the next stage is nobody calls for more. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to get me to tell you what I think the song's about, just so you can laugh and ridicule me. Yeah. Well, laugh at me, not laugh at me. <laughs> That, that would be weird. And laugh you. I laugh you, you fool. But you just want to ridicule. So here's the thing. <laughs> I know it is about going to the music industry yes. from an artist from the start to the finish of their career. Yeah. What's always made me think about these tracks mm. though, is the voice in the background. Yeah. Is that somebody supporting this artist, mm. the agent, or as I like to think, is it actually the muse? Mm. So it's actually this performer constantly chasing the muse yeah. being a performer mm. until the muse finally leaves because they've got to the point where they're producing music which is no longer mm. their kind of music so mm. it's leaving its muse behind so the muse decides to leave her and that's why her career stumbles and falls. Maybe. That's the way I've, I've always seen this. It's because I'm a loony. Uh, well. That's not in dispute. Maybe, I don't know, but it would still be about the music industry in that case, or the music business, or so I'm, producing I'm in music. the ballpark. You're, you're in the right area, yeah. I think, yeah. Well, this now happens yeah. like it's about hairdressing or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about rock climbing. It's about a man who likes to bake cakes. Yay! <laughs> this one, uh, I think, is very much reminiscent of Supper's Ready in parts. The way it flows and builds up to different thing and then builds back down again. See what you're saying? So, but, but this is enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as, a, as you know, I dislike Supper's Ready. You do. Because it rambles on. Yes. It goes on and on. Yes. Pretty much like us. Yes. Um, to the point where nobody can stand to listen to anymore. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> um, but no, this whole Albert theme, um, it's just enjoyable. There's no part of it that just go, oh, just yeah. get past this point, get it on. Nope, I agree. I would have loved, I would have loved it as if they had done it as a contract. Because yeah. it would have been like a really fun version of Supper's Ready without the tedium. Maybe, I don't know. I like I like the fact that it's spread across the whole album mm. rather than just being all on one side. I think the danger with it all being on one side would be you'd only ever listen to one side. 
and then the other side you'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot oh, about these songs. Spoiler alert! I forgot about these songs. What yeah, because that, that is kind of true, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. To a certain extent, the, the album stuff is awesome, yeah. and then the rest of it is okay. Mm. Some some of it's yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get on to that. We don't want to spoil. No, yeah. we think. But Duchess, what do you think? Love it. Yeah, it's great. First Genesis song to use a drum machine, and what good use do they make of it? Yeah, I think it's, they could have gone in a very different direction if they wanted to. Could have been Mama, or it could have been in the air tonight. But instead, they use it in a very creative, creative way. Yeah. I think it's really good. Not that Mama. Um, no, it's not, not great. Exactly. They're both great songs. But they do sound like drum machines. Yeah. Whereas this doesn't yeah. sound like drum machines. This could quite easily have been. And I'm and sure. Was on live. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure live they probably use a drum machine. But I'm sure there are tribute bands out there that use a real drummer to play bits of it. But yeah, I love this track. I think it's a great follow on from Behind the Lines. Bit of an odd choice for a single, but on the whole, fantastic. But it does break tradition kind of again mm. with Genesis, where they would have a big rousing opener mm. followed by a slower track. Yeah. Because this makes you think you're going into a slower track mm. again, and then it builds, builds up, up again. again. Yeah. So I, I like it for that, the fact that it, it yeah. kind of bucks the Genesis tradition. Yeah. Like like with the last album, they did that there. We yeah. didn't get that second track that was a slower track. Mm. So yeah, we had to wait a few, a few tracks three, in. Three or four tracks yeah. in before we got a nice slow track. Yeah. But this, I, I, I love it. it yeah. It's very musically. It is. It's lovely. Yeah. I lovely. really like it. Lovely. We like it. We like it. I like it. Yeah. I like it too. Good. I know what I like. I know what I like. <laughs> uh, right. So, so we, now we go on to... Guidebook. I call you for I must be You're on your own It's only a little tiny little thing. Only a wee little thing. I've like heard me. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful. Yeah. Also like me. You say? Yes. Um no, I, I love this track. This is another great sing-along. Yeah. Um, they're getting really good at sing-along tracks. Mm-hmm. And this is a corker. Yeah. You can just really embarrass yourself in traffic with this. Yeah. As I yeah. expect I do frequently. Yeah, yeah, with your your top down. Yeah. And your window's open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm even in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, this this, uh, oh, this is such a beautiful track. It is. It's lovely. I, I really, really like this. And it's only, like I say, it's only a small segment mm. of, a, of a track, yeah. really. Um, but it's so, it's, I've written in my notes, it is elegant in its simplicity. Did you steal that? Because I am also a pretentious twat. I knew that already. <laughs> but then when we take it as, this was part of the album mm. yeah this would have been a bridging piece yes exactly so standalone mm-hmm. doesn't really work mm. if they put another track between duchess and this mm. it would have sounded weird yeah as a follow-on to duchess it works beautifully yeah couldn't have put this anywhere else in the album yeah, yeah. so Definitely. in the right place at the right time yeah beautiful track the right place the right time like free beer yeah yeah, I love yeah. Track. It's, it's one of the ones when I first started listening to this album, mm-hmm. this was one of the one tracks that was a pink. Yes. And I just thought, I really love that. So how does this fit into your Muse theory then? This, as I say, is, is 
where I think the muse is talking to them. Um, because you've got this person, which could be an agent mm. or a friend, could yeah. be anything, but I just think it's more personal that mm. it's the actual muse talking to them, yeah. saying that, you know, this is as far as we can go because mm. you're now trying to be more successful or whatever, and not going down roads that are no longer your own. Yeah. So you don't need me, so yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. That's what I mean so, to the story. I mean, when it says that you kill what you fear, you fear what you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Do you think then that's a metaphorical thinking of, you know... I don't think she's going out murdering, murdering people. people. No. <laughs> I think, yes, definitely metaphorical. Yeah, but, I'd like to think what I mean was is, metaphorical. What I mean is metaphorical for her apprehension to, you know, she, she kills what she fears. She fears to do more of the same. No, I think... She, she kills what she fears because she fears being creative. Right. She wants to do the same thing again and again because it's successful. Yeah. So this voice is saying you kill what you fear. You're killing your creativity yeah. because you fear yeah. being different from what you are now. Hmm. Like Genesis hmm. are constantly evolving. Yes. This artist doesn't want to constantly evolve. They found what people like, hmm. their fans, they want to keep producing the same stuff. Maybe it's Genesis saying something like, you know, hey, we're not like other bands. We're really? not going to die because we stand still. We're mm. going to keep constantly moving. Mm. Like a shark. Yeah, or a goldfish. Shark. I can say, we'll go. Well, goldfish. Shark. I like sharks. It's <laughs> Yeah. Sharks. Sharks. So, yeah. So, originally, this would have gone into Turn It On Again. Um, yeah. As I say, I mixed order. all this together as one yeah. track. I'd like to think there were some instrumental bits mm. between it because Turn It On Again is really jarring after this. Mm. Um, so I'd like to think that if this was going to be one long track when they planned it, there was going to be a musical instrument or something. Because it doesn't work as a straight into Turn It On Again. I don't know, I think it kind of does because. I think you know, it seems like it's missing a track in the middle. No, it, it, but it kind of ends with the dun dun dun. And then turn it on again comes on with din 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 doesn't it? It's like it kind yeah, of it goes down to nothing from and a then theme, it comes back up again. You've got you've got this artist who somebody or something is turning their back on mm. him, her. Is it clear whether it's him or her? Well, Duchess, so well she would say her. Let's say her. And then it goes turn it on again. Mm. It's almost like there's a segment of the story missing. It seems like there know. should be something where they're getting back on their feet. Because turn it on again is like... I have an answer for that for you, but I don't know whether to say it now when we get to turn it on again. We can turn it on again. All right. Mostly because I've heard enough of Fair enough. So, alright, so that's only a little ditty. We've probably talked for longer than the actual song plays for. As is so, usual, we're now in two. So, the next track then is the first mic track on the album, which is Man of Our Time.
tonight, tonight. It needs one more on the end, doesn't it? It's a completely different song. It is, yeah. 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 So you like sing along to this then? I like that, yeah. This is a great sing along one, I think. It is another great sing along yeah. one. Not one of my favourite tracks, though. Really? Yeah, don't get me wrong, I like mm -hmm. it, just not love it. See, I think it's one of the strongest tracks on the album. I think the album tracks and this work really well together. So I could imagine this, if, if they'd done the Albert, I could imagine guide vocal going into this as it does already and then going into turn it on again. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it works in the, in the Albert context because mm. it's not part of that theme. What is the theme of the Albert thing then? Uh, a rising and falling star, which is a woman in mm. this case. Yeah. And now we're talking about a man of our times. Yeah. It wouldn't work. I don't mean, I meant musically. Oh yeah. yeah, musically it's fine. Don't get me wrong, I like this as a musical piece. Yeah. And as a sing-along piece in the car, mm -hmm. excellent. I don't know, it's just not one of my favourite tracks. Oh, I really like this track. I think it's really, really good. I, I can't fault this track at all. It's a great rock track. I, I love Phil's vocal performance on this. The way that there's him singing it in a normal voice and then in the background him singing it in a kind of deeper demonic voice almost as well, mixed together. I think it's really good. Demonic? I like the way the music kind of ebbs and flows, it kind of shifts. Ebb and flow, yeah. It's almost like carousel music, like you're sitting watching a carousel and the music's going round and kind of getting further away and then back towards you, further away and back towards you. I kind of see what you're getting yeah. at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You know what I mean? We'll stop with that analogy. That, yeah, yeah I, I'm getting it. I don't, I don't find it offensive. <laughs> So, good sing-along track. Yeah, the music's fine. Yeah, I think this is one of those under underrated tracks that certainly is by me. People tend to forget about. You could do a really good Genesis compilation where you took tracks, album tracks that are of this quality, but people tend to overlook and make a great compilation. I might even do that on Spotify. Actually, go through deep cuts, Genesis deep cuts. We should do that. Call it mediocre Genesis. Yeah, yeah. This is mediocre. No, it's not. It is a very good track. It is a very good track. It's just, as I say, not one of my favourites. I don't know if it sits well with this album. Oh, um, no, I think it fits really well. I don't know. The thing is, the album tracks are really almost constantly. Um, are very musical and almost, I'm just going to say operatic, because, operatic even, because it's not, but you get what I mean, it's it's almost like a concert in itself. Mm. This track does not sit well with that, but yeah. then I know this is not a themed album, mm. so I, I don't know why I expect it to. Yeah. It just, at this point, sticks out like a sore thumb compared to the tracks around it at this point. Mm. See, I don't think, it, I think it fits in really well. I can't imagine what other track they could have put after Guy Vogel. No, not complete. Not not when you consider what tracks we have in there. You're quite right. Where it is in the album now, I think it fits in really well. The way they've sequenced the album so that it flows the way it does, I think this is the perfect place for this. Come off that nice, beautiful little ditty guide vocal, come into this real heavy, it is heavy, heavy track. Yeah. Um, I think it's perfect, perfect place for it. But okay, we're not we're not I, love, I, love, I love the track. I just love the track. I think it's really good. I, I, I say I like the track. It's a fine track, mm -hmm. but just not one of my favourite tracks. Mm. Again, that sounds like a dis I'm dissing, <laughs> but I'm really not. I, it is a great track. Yeah. I just not because it's one of my favourite tracks. Well, fair enough. Well, I guess we'll agree to disagree. That's a lot. We do do that. we are friends considering we disagree on so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Red, now it's blue. Well, we're not quite that. Although, we probably shouldn't go into Bombers. <laughs> no, that's true. But um, the one thing I'm not sure about with this track is the lyrics don't mean anything. They don't seem to be saying anything. I mean, even when you've had vague lyrics 
Genesis before, you can read a bit deeper into them and see what it's about. Yeah. But this doesn't seem to be about anything other than I'm a man of I that don't time. Know. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is it saying about this? Yeah. The man of this time. Well, exactly. It's not really saying. Is it about being a man of bad times? Like I'm one of many. I speak to the rest, but yeah, I don't but, understand. But it doesn't explain what that means. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like. But that said, the lyrics as an instrument of Phil's voice work very well. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, good track for me. Okay, track for me. I'm giving it a thumbs up. I'm giving it a thumbs horizontal. Okay, what's the next track? Oh, it's Misunderstanding. What's Misunderstanding? The next track is Misunderstanding. Oh, sorry. You wouldn't get this situation happening in these enlightened times, would you? What's that? Well, he's been stood up. Nowadays, you just text, text him or phone him. Where the bloody hell are you? Or if they weren't answering, you'd go on social media and see what they're doing on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, whatevs. Yeah. Like, if you're really stalkery, you'd have some sort of location on their phone already, so you'd know where they were. Is that a thing? <laughs> it um, just this whole this whole situation just wouldn't wouldn't happen no, these days. Th th so this seems really really quaint. It, it does seem quaint. This is not a situation you'd be in. <laughs> Having said that, the theme mm. is something I think everybody's oh everybody's experienced that. Everybody's been stood up. Yeah, except me. Don't you? Sure, because you're always sat down. Ah, I see what I did there. I did. I didn't find it very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> but this is, as you say, times have moved on. This is this situation will not arise now. Yeah. But the feeling of being stood up, mm. whatever, yeah. is something that's still relevant. Um, having said that, I hate this track. Do you? Yeah. Do you really? I really do. <laughs> uh, I, find it, I find it quite. Oh, I know it, this was probably written. Phil's going through some serious <laughs> vibes at this point. Mm. And but oh, 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 but oh, oh, um. oh, but oh. <laughs> when you're an artist, you bring some of yourself to a song. Mm -hmm. You bring some of yourself to the music, and some of yourself to whatever. Anyway, this track for me, I can. It's oh, I can't even think of the words. <laughs> Which you know, when you're doing a podcast, mm, that's not, good not being able to think of the words is a terrible thing. <laughs> but I just don't like this track. I find it quite, quite dull and depressing. See, I quite, I quite like this, the song. I find it quite catchy. It's clearly a Phil song. It's very obviously Phil wrote this. Definitely. It's like a blueprint for Phil's solo career. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm surprised that the other two chose it for the album. 
Yeah, this is not one of the tracks I would have thought of. Yeah. Considering some of the other tracks that I have heard yeah. that Phil would like to do on his solo album, um, I can't understand why they would have chosen this one. Because yeah. it's probably one of the least likable tracks. It just, it just, uh, it's not even a good sing-along. We've had so far in this album sing-along tracks. Oh, I see. It's a great sing-along. What are you on about? There must be some misunderstanding. Has Kermit the Frog done the same thing? Yeah, that's Kermit's version. <laughs> good, good. I, I, to be honest, I think I prefer that version. <laughs> I just don't like this track. I find it quite tedious and depressing. It's not great, it's not a happy track, so I find myself mm. not wanting to sing Yeah, I, I quite, I like this track. I think it's a nice little pop song. Um, that's the problem. Yeah. It is a pop song. It is kind of their first proper pop song. Yeah. I mean, Follow You, Follow Me was a big hit, but it wasn't really a pop song. Not really. This is a pop song. Yeah. Um, this is kind of your gateway <laughs> to 80s success, though, isn't it? But for Genesis. Oh, yes. Yeah, this... It wasn't released as a single, though. Yes, it was. Was it? This was the third single. The album. Of course it was, yeah. It got to number one in Canada. It was the seventh biggest selling single in Canada in 1980. Really? Number one? Yeah, number one. It was the seventh biggest selling selling single of the year in Canada. Can you believe it? It was only in March. I've actually got this single, seven inch single. Um, it's got an extra track on the B side that's not on the album. We'll talk about that when we do the archive because it's on there. Yeah, not one of my favourite tracks. Move on. It does seem like an odd choice for the band though. I give you that. Just sits in here. Yeah. Uh, Phil's released his demo of this track um, when he re released all his solo albums a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was on the face value. Was that particularly different? Um, no, it sounded pretty much the same, to be honest. Um, so yeah, exactly. Um, he also this was one of the tracks that Phil played live when he played his solo concerts. Didn't play many Genesis tracks at all, but he played this one. Doesn't he like people having fun? No, his manager wouldn't. Really? Tony Smith, their manager, wouldn't let them play solo tracks as part of the Genesis set, and he wouldn't let them play Genesis songs as part of their solo sets. They do now. Yeah. But they didn't then. So Phil never, after his first tour, he didn't play any Genesis songs. See, if I went to see Phil Collins mm -hmm. and he didn't play any Genesis stuff, I'd be miffed. Well, you'd be miffed then because he didn't play them. They were completely separate and their manager wanted them to keep their careers completely separate. <sighs> anyway, this goes on to Heat Haze now. Oh, Heat Haze, yeah. Do you like Heat Haze? Let's go, let's listen. Let's. Yeah. This is not one of my favourite. I could tell straight away as soon as we listened to this that you would like it. Yeah. Because 
not your sort of thing. No, I like rocky stuff. You don't like the slow tracks. I don't. No. Don't like the rock. I don't like the slow stuff. Yeah, you don't. I mean, this is a Tony Banks track, and it's very much in the vein of Trick of the Tail or Wind of Wuthering style. Style, yes. Yeah. Not tempo. No. Um, I I actually really like this track. I, I find it quite enjoyable. Why? I just do. Why? Just think it's very well played. Phil gives a great performance. It's got a nice melody. It's like I liked Madman Moon though from Trick of the Tail. You hated I did. that. I did. Um, I really like that. I think this is almost like a sequel to Madman Moon. It's got a similar theme as well because Madman Moon was about being trapped in a desert, and this is kind of all about heat. Taking to one side the subject matter, the title's Heat Hate, which is quite indicative of a hot summer day, and the music kind of plays into that. It's very atmospheric from that point of view, I think. So ignore all the whether you like the music, the lyrics, or whatever. Would you say it was atmospheric in that way? Would you say it, it, it no. brings to mind that sort of summery heat? No, I tell you, what, the one thing this this track has always um, inspired in me mm. is... Skipping uh, it. Yes, <laughs> to reach for the fast forward button. Yeah. I really find it's really dull. Really? I really like it. I just, even, even listening to the album to this podcast, yes. I go, I've got to listen to the soul album. Mm. Cannot skip a track apart from this one. Yeah. Well, well, I like it. I know. I knew you wouldn't like it because it's not rocky. You don't like him. You don't like him slow. Don't like him slow. You like him nice and fast. I do. You should have seen me dance at my wedding. So <laughs> they called the wife on the whole. <laughs> but I like that track. Um, yeah. I think it's nice. I don't care if you don't like it or not. <laughs> Got nothing else to say about that. You hate it. I like it. Yep. Let's turn it on again. Let's turn it on. Again. Not like this track. It's great. Good it's track. Great. great track. You know this. Yeah. Although I got into Genesis around Invisible Touch time, and then jumped straight back to Foxtrot. This is my earliest memory of Genesis playing on the radio. I can remember this when it was a single in the early 80s. I can remember hearing this on the radio, not knowing who it was by, and really liking this track. See, I never got into Genesis or indeed any music from the radio. Mm. I've never been a big radio fan. Mm. I much prefer the spoken word on the radio. I always, I always find listening to music on the radio 
tedious because it was the same four tracks yeah. repeated endlessly <laughs> with some idiot babbling. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll quickly move away from that. But yes, yeah, so I was never a big fan of the radio, so yeah. I didn't hear much of this on the radio. Mm. But this was another track, and when I listened to the album, I instantly liked this track. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got a lot of energy to it. Mm. Yes. I mean, it sort of really gets you rocking along again, considering how dire the last two tracks were. Mm. Yeah, we're dire. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I love this track. It's a yeah. great track. I still don't think it fits in with the Albert thing. Mm. Purely because uh, it's so yeah. we had that, didn't we? I had the answer for you that for that. So the Albert thing, yeah. this song is about Albert watching Duchess on TV. Is it really? And falling in love with the Duchess on the TV. Is it really? Yes. It's all about, about a man that. who spends all his time watching TV. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so this is all about you. <laughs> I always knew yeah. the right one about yeah. me. So when he's talking about I can show you some of the people in my life, he's talking about people on TV. That's what he's talking about. That's why it's called turning on again. Such a mind of information. Yeah. A mind of information. A mind of information. I'm just, I've got a mind of information. None of it any use for anything. No. So this is that's how it fits into the Duchess story because he it, it shifts from Duchess being Shift the character telling, and then obviously the guide vocal, which you say is the kind of the muse talking to her. That's just my thoughts. Well, it's, it's an interesting theory. It's good enough for now. <laughs> what it means is you're wrong, but let's not argue about it at this point. And then it shifts from that into Albert watching the Duchess on TV. So yeah, there you go. But I do like this song. Yeah, it's great. Lots this, of power to it. This was apparently made up of a few bits of leftovers that from uh, Tony and Mike's solo albums that they brought in and stuck together. And As we said earlier, this, this was supposed to be just a musical mm. interlude, but yeah. they enjoyed playing it so much they turned it into a track in its yeah. own right. Yeah, apparently um, Mike played the guitar section, the guitar intro section, a bit more slowly to start with. So he was playing it like that, and then we we're going to do the song a bit slower. And Phil, she went, just speed up a bit, just speed up a bit, speed up a bit. And faster, faster, yeah, faster, faster. And sped it up till he got to the point where it was now. But yeah, love it. Yeah. Well, you not love this track? It's so good. Yeah, it's a great track. Yeah. Another great, good corker of a track. Yeah, it was a single, first single off the album. Got to number eight in the UK. It did. Was it 11 in the US? Wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. And, and it was broadcast on MTV on the first day of MTV being shown. Really? Yeah, it was on the videos they played. Wow. So there you go. Um, when they played it live, yeah. they often played it with a little 60s medley tacked onto the end. What do you mean 60s medley? So it would go on for about 10 15 minutes and they'd play little bits of 60s hits. Sort of Pinball Wizard, Somebody to Love. Really? Um, a bit of the Stones, yeah, and they released a live version of that as the B-side to the Eagle Alien tournament single, which I have. Many Genesis fans really, really hate that, but I always really, really enjoy it because I'm, I don't just like Genesis, I like lots of different types of music, so it always really appealed to me. There is no other type of music, just Genesis. That's right, that's what I want you to think. <laughs> they also played a version of this for Atlantic's 40th anniversary concert mm -hmm. um, and they played for the first time as part of the Turn It On Again medley some of the band's solo tracks. They played a bit of a Mike and the Mechanics track. And um, once everybody came back from the bar. <laughs> um, with Phil singing obviously. They played a bit of the Mike and the Mechanics track, they played a bit of Silent Running on Dangerous Ground which is off the first Mike and the Mechanics album mm -hmm. which is the only good Mike and the Mechanics album. 
The only good Mike and the Mechanics album is a dead Mike and the Mechanics <laughs> album. Um, and they played a little bit of Shortcut to Somewhere, which was by Tony Banks and Fish at of Marillion. The Fish? The Fish at of Marillion. How come those two are um, I don't know how they got together, to be honest, but they did record it. It was only one song, it wasn't a whole album. They've done a couple of tracks on Tony's solo album. Did Fish go up and go, hey, I'm in a band and we sound just like you? <laughs> no, probably not. No. Um, There'd be more swearing, I think. I think Fish. Um, I think Tony Banks needed a singer and he wanted to work with Fish. So they just did that one song, it was on Tony's. And that was a complete misunderstanding because he meant, I want to work with Fish. <laughs> yeah. I want to give up this musician's life <laughs> and, and become more aquatic. Yeah. But sadly, there was a misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, yes, there must be some misunderstanding. Um, and they also did uh, You Can't Hurry Love, which obviously was a big hit for Phil. So they did that. Huge So yeah, so that, that was alright. They also played it at the reunion gig, Six the Best. Really? With Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel played the drums. Wow. Yeah, Phil came up and sang, Peter went and played the drums. And Peter didn't realise that it's actually in a really tricky time signature, so he didn't practice it properly. I'm not clever enough to understand time signatures, but apparently it's in 13-8 time. Oh, that thing. You don't know what it means either. Not a clue. No. So, but apparently that means it's really, really difficult to play, which is why you can't dance to it. Even though when you listen to it, it sounds like you can dance to it. When you try and dance to it, you, you can't, can't dance, dance to it. Um, yeah, so Pete tried to play that and didn't really do a very good job. Poor old Chester, he had to learn to play though, didn't he? He did. So, Was he touring with them again on this one? Chester and Darrell are still touring them now. Chester and Darrell are going to tour with them until uh, the 19... end of time. 1992. Um, when they finish the We Can't Dance tour, then, because we'll come on to, they get another singer in and they don't. I don't think Darrell toured with them, I can't remember. But Chester definitely didn't, because he wanted to play the album. Yeah. And they wouldn't let But at this point, Chester and Darrell still play. Cool. Right, so now we go on to... Yeah, have you not nothing else to say about that song? Not a thing. Oh, Alright. Uh, and the next track is... Alone Tonight. It's like you... Only is gone, but it's not been you. And I... I touch your face and I don't know why. That wasn't what I was thinking you were going to say. No. But you were going to say, I bet I don't like this track. I am going to say that. I bet you don't like that track. I actually do like this track. Do you now? I do. How unusual. I know. Because it starts off quietly, and as you quite right, yeah. so, little quick lyrics. Yeah. But then it builds up again. Yeah. And it's a quite good sing along track. Yeah. Not that I'm a big sing along fan, but. It does have that good drum crash in, doesn't it? it? Does. I like that. that is I would have a good drum yeah. crash in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did that last time. We did, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, no, it's really good. Doesn't that sound like a Phil song? It does, actually. It ain't a Phil song, it's a Mag song. Is it really? It's a Mag song. Wow. Yeah, he's a bit obsessed with Tonight's on this album, isn't he? He is. He's a, he's it's like you can feel it coming in, in the air. air tonight. Yeah. Or it's tonight, tonight, tonight. Indeed. Yeah, he's a bit obsessed with it. Yes. Um, he didn't write the lyrics for tonight, 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 by the way. Mm-hmm. No, I believe that was Tony who wrote those. Um, so it's a bit weird, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, good track. Not my favourite track on the album, but it's, no, but it's, it's good it's, enough. It's up there. I, I, don't, yeah. I do like this track. Yeah. It's not something, I, not something I would say should be relegated to a B-side in any way. Definitely not. No, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, as we said, there are a couple of tracks on this album that are my favourites. This is up there with the album as my favourites on this track. Really? Even more than Man of Our Time? Definitely. Wow. I just I like this track. I really do. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why it speaks to me. It speaks to you? What, is it? When are you sleeping? <laughs> Not in a creepy way, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I just, there's something about this track that I really yeah. enjoy. And um, it's not like you said, because I'm going to be alone again tonight. <laughs> I don't know, I just like this track. Well, I think it's, it's again. Colour me surprised. I expect you to hate this one. I know. I like to surprise you, man. You do? But yeah. So, is it the, the lyrics you like? Do you like the lyrics? You just like, what is it? No, I think it's the music. The music? You know, the point, as you said, it starts to start with yeah. the and you get the crashing mm. intro, and you really get some power into it. Mm. I like the difference between the two parts of the track. It's very maudlin lyrics though, I mean you, you don't tend to like the maudlin things, but you know. No, but you can sing that mm. without feeling monstrously depressed. It's a bit weird though, isn't it? You walk, you, you know, if you drove past somebody and their, their windows were down and they were singing along, I know that I'm gonna be all alone tonight, alone again tonight, really happy like, it'd be a bit weird because why are they happy about it? Tonight, I'd like to think I odd. sing better than that. It's a bit odd. I know I don't. But I like <laughs> it. It's a bit odd though, isn't it? Because, yes, it is. Because it is. It's a, you're right. It's a big rousing chorus all about being alone tonight. You, when, you, <laughs> when you put it that way, yeah, it's about it's about being joyous about being alone, being alone again, yeah. which is not something to be joyous about. Yeah. I it, mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to put our listener down because mm. he's probably sat in a bed somewhere <laughs> crying into his cup of soup. Yeah listening to us because it's a human voice mm. hello so everything know. will get better no I'd, I'd, as you say if you, if you actually put it like that it yeah. is kind of weird it's a bit of an odd the lyrics don't go with the music it, it's kind of it is almost about loneliness and mental health when you listen to the actual lyrics or maybe he's happy he's alone again mm. because he hates his girlfriend maybe See, this is why I think it's a Phil song because yeah. it's typical it's the Phil ex-wife lyrics. Ex-wife thing as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it could be actually because of the yeah, but maybe it's not. just going. I'm alone again tonight. Yeah. Thank Christ. <laughs> maybe, but it's it's really weird. I find that find the difference between the actual lyrics and the music is very interesting to me because it is a really really odd mix. Yes, I know what you're saying. Now you mention it. Yeah. As you say, you've got this quite rousing music, mm. and yet the lyrics say something else. Yeah, yeah, and even the like the, the slower lyrics are all very much about your, his mental health and about him being lonely and alone. Mm. And then it goes into the big rousing chorus. I just find it really odd. I love the track. I, I don't get me wrong. I really like it. I just find that. Yeah, I find it interesting that they can do something like that. It's like you know, there are pop songs where the lyrics are inherently depressing. 
but people love them. Like, you know, like Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks. Probably wow. the most depressing song ever written. When you know, that band as, redid it as a pop song? Yeah. Uh, it's Westlife, it was. I think. Wow, you think, I know, you haven't like, listened to the lyrics? It's bad. It's when you're dying. But you know, this is like, so it's like that's Morrissey levels of depression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but it's, people love that track. But then again, this track, considering the theme of it, if we take into account that it's probably interpreted through. But it's a mic track. Yeah, but you know, they've had to go through this wooden to a extent. Maybe it's the duality of that situation. Because the duality. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you're going through a really tough period, mm. but you're constantly thinking to yourself, it will get better, it yeah. will get better. So you have this duality mm. going on where you're both depressed and optimistic at mm. the same time. Maybe. I mean, the, the, Tony and Mike did move in with Phil to Ryan and record the demos for this album. So perhaps Mike saw how Phil was mm. feeling yeah. while they were writing and wrote this song in kind of in response to that. I, d I don't know. Um, maybe. maybe. maybe it, it would make sense yeah. because, like you say, they've been through this with him. They're his friends, they're his bandmates. Yeah. Um, so they'll have seen what he's been going through. So perhaps, oh, perhaps that's a good point. Perhaps he has written that. But yeah, I do love this song though. I think, I think it's really good. Not my favourite on the album, but I do really like it. I like it. Yeah. So it's above a few others for mm. me. Again, um, one of my really favourites on this album. Yeah. But I mean, do like it a lot. Good. I am surprised at that. I thought you would be. I'd um, like to surprise you now again. I think you're going to not like the next track there, which is called This Sad. This is the time you For me, this track goes nowhere. Yeah. Because it's a concert. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this track. Well, oh, I love this track. Well, there you go. I love this track as well. Yeah. But well, Tony Banks, please stop going on about armies. This he, is like his fifth song about an army. He does like his armies. He's always banging on about army this and army that, rising up, take over the world. I will be king, and you'll see how much power Tony Banks has, and when Tony Banks is the Emperor, argh, he's gone mad with power <laughs> at this point. You got that out of your system? Yeah, no, it's not me, it's Tony. Is it that? Really? Yeah, that was what Tony's thinking. From where I was sitting, it looked like this was coming out of you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he does, he does, he's, he's a guy with a theme. He is. Yeah. But no, I, no, I love this track. Right, I suppose it works. I mean, you've got, what, he's got Firth of Fifth, hasn't he? That's all about an army. Mm -hmm. There, and then he's got the Mar, that's yep. all about an army, and then this is all about an army. It's probably other ones about armies. That one that goes, you're in the army. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. 
Yeah. Army Dreamers, that one Ooh. as well. So he's got all these. There's another one about armies. Yeah. He was just like, was really like armies. Maybe he does. Mm. No, love this track. Yeah, I mean it's a proper old school Genesis track. It is an old school Genesis um, track. I, I think don't, that's why I like it. This wouldn't have been out of place on Wind um, and Ring, maybe, or um, I was thinking, Advent Number Three. I was thinking Wind and Ring when I was listening, when yeah. I was listening to this because um, it's it's great Genesis. Mm. It is. It wouldn't have fit on Trick of the Tail. No, because it's not quite as loose. Trick of the Tail is quite a loose album. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I love those two But I really like it. Um, again, it's another really deep cut. So it, it means not many people appreciate it or know it. Listen to it. It doesn't get on compilations. It doesn't. It's not people's favourite track. It wasn't played live. For really? example, most of the album wasn't played live. To be fair. No, but then they never do play a yeah. lot of the tracks. I think on the last album they it's played like about four or five tracks off that album. Yeah. On tour. Yeah. So it's pretty much the same here. They played all the album tracks and misunderstanding. That was it. They played the other tracks live. So yeah, it's important. It's like. I think this is really good, very well played. Phil does really good with vocals on this, but apparently Phil didn't like this track. He couldn't get into it because this style of music wasn't of any real interest to him. This older school Genesis style. Yeah. He was bored of it. He wasn't really interested in it. And I think you're gonna see from the next album onwards, there's a radical shift. But it's it's, it's weird because the slower singing that you hear on this track yeah. is very similar to what he would do on his at the very start, of it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Own but I mean, the rest of it is proper old school Genesis, and that—that's—he's just got bored of it. He, he doesn't want to play the sort of music anymore. He's discovering his own songwriting voice, yeah, and that's what's interesting. That's what's keeping him occupied at the moment. Um, but like I say, this there's not really going to be any of this old school Genesis again from now on. No, it's going to go into. There's going to be a radical shift in sound, style, definitely on the next album. Yeah. So it's like, is this track the last prog track they've released? Maybe. I don't think this is a prog track. No, it doesn't strike me as a prog track. I like this track. Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, you're right. It is more old school mm -hmm. than all of the other ones, I mean. but I don't, I don't think it goes into the prog rock genre, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. But we still can't nail down what that actually means. Yeah. Um, no. We could do a 12 part series just on what is prog. Ooh, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I like this track. Good yeah. track. Alright, in that case, I'm going to predict you don't like the next track. You're very predictive with this. I am. Okay. Yeah. What is the next track? Not like my predictive text, which is really predictive at all. No, at all. It doesn't predict what you're trying to say, anyway. Mm -hmm. What is the next track? Please don't ask. What is the next track? No, please don't ask. No, really, what is the next track? No, that's the next track. When can I see you? When can I touch you? Again and again, I ask myself, was I wrong? All the time. This is the weakest track on the album. By a long By way. A long way. It's just 
continuously depressing. It is. It's proper film. Yeah. This proper is, this is film. proper film going through a divorce. Second one that Phil brought to the band, or what? Second of the ones that Phil brought to the band chose. Another really odd choice for him because this is this is 100% Phil sitting at a piano playing on his own on his solo album. Yeah. I don't see how they thought that could be anything else, and it just sounds like that. Now I like the song because I don't dislike any of the tracks on this album, okay. but this is the weakest track on the album. And if it wasn't on the album, I wouldn't miss it. I just find it just really depressing to mm. listen to. It's, it's yeah. not one of my favorite tracks. Musically, I don't like it because yeah. it's so simplistic. Yeah. And vocally, I don't like yeah, it. And theme wise, I'm I mean, not... it's a proper sort of kitchen sink drama almost. Yeah. It's clearly about Phil's divorce. Clearly. It clearly is. Yeah. And from that point of view, it would have fit perfectly on face value. And there are tracks on face value that probably would have done quite well on this album in its place. I don't understand why the band chose this one. No, it doesn't fit in with the rhythm of the rest of the album. So I, I just don't like this one. It comes across as, as almost like jamming on the brakes. Mm. It's a really slow track. Yeah. It doesn't really fit on the album, I don't think. No. And I don't like it. It's only because it's quite depressing. Yeah, I mean, it does seem really out of place on this album. Yeah. Like, like you say, it would perfect, perfect fit for face value. Mm. That's the mood of face value. That's the, the, the storytelling style that's on face value. See why they chose it for this album? No. Um, it no. just seems really like a really odd choice. It is a really odd choice. So then, yeah, like I say, I find it pleasant enough. No, I. But it's another fast forward for me. But, yeah. Out of all the tracks on the album, if I was going to fast forward one of them, it would be this one. I'm already way past you. You've already forgotten what it sounds like, haven't you? Which? <laughs> yeah. So shall we go on to the last two tracks? Oh, please. Bring the story of Albert to its conclusion with Duke's Travels.
great way to end an album. Brilliant. That's so This is a wonderful musical little piece. Absolutely. Hands down, in my opinion, the best instrumentals they ever did. Yeah, I agree with um, that. And we're talking about these two as one track. Yeah, Travels Duke's Travels and Duke's End. Yeah. Um, because they flow together so well, they might as well be one track. Yeah, but, but Duke's End, I mean, because you get the reprise of Behind, Behind the Lines, lines. Yeah. this is when I was listening to this as a, as a wee teenager, yeah. this is why I was wondering, why aren't those two tracks together? Because mm. this is not a themed album, Yeah. but these two tracks are quite obviously mm-hmm. supposed to go together. Yeah. It was just weird to me that they weren't part of the same track. Yeah. And again, listening to it now, you get the same thing going through your head. Mm. What is this doing at the end of the album when mm. it's part of the first track? Quite yeah. clearly, but it, it clearly should be the end of the album because it's a perfect way to finish oh, yeah. it. It's so good. But as um, you said earlier, I mean, if they had done this as one more track, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have listened to side two. Well, exactly. You'd have listened to the story of Albert on whatever side that was on, yeah. and you'd never listened to the side. No. Not because those tracks are necessarily bad, but because they're not as powerful or strong. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I just absolutely adore these two tracks. Yeah. So good. Yeah. They would fit really, really well with the other instrumentals they've done on Window Wuthering and um, Los Endos from Trick and Tell. I think. I don't know. Because I think they work think... all together. It has a similar sort of feel with that. I think there's more energy in this. Well, yeah, there is. And I love the, the fact that, especially on uh, travels, mm. you've got quite a variety of yeah. rhythms and styles going on here. Yeah. So you end up with this really great sounding mm. eight minute track. Yeah. That, that, you know, there's not a point in this track where you think, oh, this is a bit repetitive yeah. or boring. It's, yeah. just, it's just got a great track. Yeah, it just it's so good. It flows really well. I particularly love the reprise at the end, like you mentioned already, of, of uh, Behind the Lines, yeah. and then when it goes into the guide vocal, yeah. uh, Tony's often said that, that he thinks that is the most powerful vocal performance that Phil's ever done. I agree entirely. And it's so good. Yeah. And a way to turn around, you know, guide vocal, very gentle, lovely little piece of music, mm-hmm. sung in a really beautiful way, and then just turn into this massive rock track at the yeah. end. It's the same lyrics, exactly the same. But, but it's more powerful. Exactly. You are, oh, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Again, like the first track, mm-hmm. I could have this on a constant loop, only this, Yeah. and I'll be a happy bunny. Yeah, I've got to say, when I get to the end of this album, this, these two tracks, the first thing I want to do is listen to the album again. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so brilliant. It works so well. Um, as, as, like I say, as an album closer, it just makes you want more. Yeah. Um, I just love it. I mean, the one thing that this is, uh, and I do keep saying the one thing, mm. uh, this is several of the one things. Yes. When we've listened to previous Genesis albums, they sometimes fade out on mm. a musical piece. This time, you've got this great musical piece, yep. and then we end on a vocal piece. Yep. It's quite a change for them to do it that way. Yep. Normally, we would we would go out on a musical yep. piece. So, um, Duke's end comes as a bit of a surprise because you're expecting the album to fade out with yeah. the musical end. But then you get this wonderful rocky, you know, yeah. reprise at the end of it. But I, I just love the whole this whole thing. Yeah. I like the way it ends. It doesn't fade out like you say. Yeah. I mean even Supper's Ready fades out on yeah. the album. Yeah. This actually da 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 and it finishes and you're like, wow, brilliant! And I think that's what makes Again. you want more. Yeah, that's what makes yeah. you want more because it finishes, it doesn't just fade out. Musically, it's brilliant. Played so to well. To be honest, when I'm listening to this, mm. the hairs on the back of my neck go like, it's almost personal, this track, yeah. in the fact, the effect it has on mm. you. Yeah, it fills me full of joy. Listening to the, this track. The words right out of my mouth. Listen to this whole album 
tells me full of joy. Even please don't ask. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, this this album, this whole album, makes me happy. I love this album. If please don't ask fills you with joy, <laughs> I hate to think of the mood you were in before. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. So much joy in this last track. Yes. These last two tracks. It's, it's triumphant end. It's very brilliant. triumphant. It does feel like that sort of classical ending. Yeah. If you know what I mean, classical music kind of you know crescendo mm -hmm. ending. Really good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. A lot of power there, and you can't help but smile through the whole of this, yeah. these two tracks. Yeah, and they all, like I say, they all play really, really well together. They're just they're complementing each other perfectly at this point. I'd love to have seen this being performed live, because yeah. they must have been going nuts on yeah. stage, because there's a lot going on in this track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cakey changes throughout this. Cakey. You haven't used that phrase I haven't used that for a while, have I, no? Yeah. Yeah, but there are a lot would, of them. I would say I've missed it, but I haven't. <laughs> so. Right, so then, that was Duke. What are your impressions of this album? I'm going to go right out on a limb here and say this is probably my number one favourite Genesis album. Wow. Yeah. It's, it, it is a toss-up between this and Wind of Mothering, depending on which one I've listened to most recently. But I think this just about edges it out because it's got Duke's end. Yeah, you see, whilst not one of my favourite albums mm. in its entirety, yeah. it has some of my favourite tracks of all of Genesis. Yeah. But I said, I could not say this is my favourite album of all time. But such great tracks on this, yeah. memorable tracks. As I say, this is the first album I got into. Yeah, it's a good one to get into to it start is, off it with. It is, because it's, it's powerful in the right places. Yeah. Um, so, this has a, I have a lot of affection for this album mm. because it was very powerful when I was listening to yeah. it and it got me into the, the band mm. and such but I have very fond memories of listening to it so whenever I listen to this album there's that emotion coming out of me as well mm. so it's a great it's a, I love this album yeah but again as I said not my favourite album yeah. like compared with some of the stuff they've done yeah. but some of my favourite tracks in the okay. whole time so this is their 10th album right we've yeah. got 5 albums left to go is that all? yeah so we with two thirds of the way through their whole career. So, will you unchain me at the end of those? Nope. So, quick, quick update then. So, what's been your favourite album so far? Wow, just throw that. At yeah, yeah. So I've got a, I've got a now pick yeah. favourite album. Yeah, so far. So I've got to think really what's hard. Winter Weathering. Yeah, Winter Weathering. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. Then there were three. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Duke. Brilliant. But. As a whole album, mm -hmm. where I can't find fault, with Okay. Yeah. What about you? Like I say, I think probably this Duke. I think it's a, a Window Withering's a very, very, very close second. If it was an election, I'd need a recount. Okay. Ooh. It's that close, okay. but I think this one just edges it out just because it's a powerhouse of an album. It is a powerhouse. It's drive constantly driving along. I don't know if the word, I'd use the word constantly. But, I, well, I would. I love it. I, I don't think it has a single bad track on it. Window Wuthering doesn't have a single bad track on it either. No. But I like the tracks on this a lot. Potentially, we've just listened to Genesis's last prog, in inverted commas, album. How can you say that when we can't even define what prog is? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Potentially. That's what a lot of Genesis fans consider. They consider either this album yeah. or 
Wind and Wuthering to be the last proper prog album Genesis ever did. Wow. So yeah. what are they classed as now? Uh, pop, maybe? Pop rock? Oh, I've never thought of Genesis rock. Pop. Art rock. I've not heard of that phrase. Have you just made that up? No, no, I haven't. Sounds like you've just made that up. Art rock. That's like talking heads, though, more than anything else. Art rock. I like talking heads as well. My house. It's gonna party. Art rock. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so do you think it's a good one for them to go out on? Mike Rutherford, right, has basically said that this album was make or break for the band. They needed to get used to a way of working together to be able to write together to make the album. And if they hadn't worked out the way of doing it, they probably wouldn't have made another album. You say that, and yet most of this album they actually wrote it apart. Well, half and half. Yeah. Half and half. Six six tracks were written between them, and six were written individually. Mm. So it's half and half. But it was Mike was saying that, that them they weren't having the time to write tracks at home. Yeah and bring into the band. So if they hadn't worked out this way of jamming together and creating this great music, I mean, the Albert stuff was all done from jams. If they hadn't come up with that way of working, he said they probably wouldn't have done another album. To be honest, if they hadn't got the Albert stuff on this, mm. I don't think they would have done any more anyway. Because mm. I don't think the rest of what was on this album would have sold as well. Mm. If they'd done more of those kind of songs, people just looked at it because there yeah. wouldn't have been the gateway stuff of the album stuff to keep the Purple fans mm. interested. Yeah. So if they'd just carried on with things like you know, Don't Ask and Misunderstand yeah. and stuff and produced a whole album like that, mm. I think that would have been the end of the band. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the sort of the, the wi- conventional wisdom says that your fans will always buy a bad album, but they won't buy the one after that. Yeah. So if this had been a bad album, the next album would have sold as well. Because the fans would have bought it, so they would have needed to have been more commercial and have a big hit. Yeah. So it's yeah, things things interesting to, to consider. That again, they've said they could have ended here. Yeah. I mean, they've said that with every album they've done so far. Well, they said it. They said it with um, Trick or Tail, mm-hmm. because the Lamb could have been their last album potentially. Yeah. They didn't say Window Wuthering, but then again, you know, um, and then there were three. They've said that could have been our last album. Yeah. Mike Rutherford said this could have been the last album, but after this they kind of settle into the groove of, of the way they work and, and potentially, as we'll come into later years, that could potentially the fact that they work like that has meant they carried on for as long as they did. I mean some will say that the way they're now working, hmm. they're about to start producing some of the greatest stuff they will do in their entire career, Exactly, depending on how you look at well, it. Well some fans will say they're about to create the greatest albums they ever made. And other fans will say they're about to do a mindless load of pap that should never have been released. Yes. So what do you say? Well, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. We're going to have to to wait and see what I think of these next few albums. I think think if you listen to our previous episodes, you'll be able to pick up some clues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this is a great album. I think this is the first album they released in the 80s. And how good is it? It's brilliant. Peter Gabriel released his third album in 1980. Yeah. Also a brilliant album. Very good. And as we've already mentioned, Yes released Drama in 1980s. Also very a very album. good album. So this seems like it's a good year for prog. It does seem that way. Yeah. And I'm happy to have bought this album at the time. Mm. Uh, or certainly soon after the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I said, I have very fond memories of this album from listening to it at the time. 
and uh, it has stayed with me ever since, and I, I do enjoy revisiting it on mm -hmm. a regular basis. Yes, yes. Good. Right, well, I've got nothing to say about the album, because cool. I think it's brilliant. Yep. Okay. So I thought you'd probably get back to the buffet car and see who's done murder. Oh, is he still droning off? I can hear him down the other end of the carriage, but he's still banging on. He's trying to explain to who he thinks has done it. So, the crime has been committed. The body lies before us. Someone in this very room... Car! Ah, uh, oui, car. Someone in this very car is a murderer. Look around you. One of you is capable of the foulest of deeds, of giving little or no thought to the life of another human being. Yes, we are dealing with someone who is pure evil. He took all my detective skills and several mugs of chocolate to divine who this killer must be. Obviously, it is someone with a total disregard for human suffering. Someone whose inhuman sadistic tendencies allows them to relish in others' misery. Someone whose very soul comes from the depths of hell. Yes, it can only have been you, the engine driver. I? The body was me. Oh, uh, well, then it must have been, um, uh... Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I'm feeling sadist. Total disregard for human misery. Pure evil. It's the tea lady. How did... It was obvious. Butter knife was the murder weapon. Look, still in his back. Yeah, and the wound has currents around it from the scones. Scones. Soutalo, but of course. And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky Genesis fans. Take her away, boys. Who are you talking to? Sorry, I... Carried away then. Take her away, boys! Yeah, sounds better when he says it. So, it's on to London for us then. Hang on a minute. If the driver's in here with us, then who's driving the train? Here. Oh, crap! Music on this album. Well, ours with the musical sound, apart from musical. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Musically, I'm, not, I'm doing it. You're just repeating yourself. Yeah, I am. You made a you made a fool of yourself, and you're just repeating yourself. I'm making a fool of my fool of myself. <laughs>